Thank you. If you take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 27. The only reason that he remembers my car burning up is his van was sitting next to my car (laughs) and the smoke it took. Did you ever get it out? The smoke was just, just filled his car. It's good to be here this morning and God bless you. We're winding up the semester and uh, I'm not going to be preaching on missions. I know that might surprise you. But this has everything to do with missions. And if you get this, I think you'll probably do pretty good on the mission field. Amen. In Matthew chapter 27, if you would look with me in verse number 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with them, or bought with them, the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore the field was called the field of blood unto this day. May we pray. Father, Lord, you have tremendous principles in your word if we'll just read it and we'll let you speak to our hearts. Lord, we have some of the most wonderful young people in all the world in this auditorium this morning. And I pray, God, that you might use your Holy Spirit to convict our hearts, beginning with me and all of the faculty, all the students Lord, there's so many things that we wish we could do over, that we could do again. But Lord, you can't take it back. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us to see the brevity of life and the seriousness of what we're facing in this college and in this life. Lord, bless us now. Bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dr. R said, try to get to know him. My wife's been trying that for 47 years, and she still hadn't been able to figure that out. But, uh, you know, in golf, Dr. Sis is a great golf player. Uh, They've got what they call a mulligan. How many of you know what a mulligan is? Yeah, some of you golf players. The rest of you, that means I have made a bad shot. It might have went in the bushes. It might have went out there. I can't find it. Uh, it might be in the trees somewhere. Uh, it is a bad shot, and I want to do that one over again. It's called a, a do-over, a gimme, uh, a mulligan. And, you know, sad to say, this, this semester is almost over. 
And I have students come and say, what can I do to bring my grade up? Well, you could have done the work to start with. <laughs> that would have helped. Well, I, I went over my bucket. What can I do? You can show up for class. Amen. That'll help. But they want a do-over. They want a mulligan. I heard just a while back the story for the first time. You may have heard it before. There was a coach, and he was, he was coaching uh, all different kinds of baseball teams, and they had him speak. And after he spoke, he came in and he was wearing this, this home plate. He had one, just a big old home plate, walking around with that thing on a cord, you know, walking around while he was speaking. And nobody remembered what he was speaking about. It just wasn't seem that important. And as he starts to walk off the platform, he stops and, and he says, you might want to know why I'm wearing this home plate. And he comes back and he says, now, most all of your coaches, there were hundreds of coaches there that day. He said, now, how many of you coached the little leagues? And boy, there was many raised their hands. And he said, how wide is the home plate in the little league? And some of them was guessing this and that, and one guy finally got it. It's 17 inches. He said, how many of you are coaching high school baseball? And several hands went up. And he said, now in the high school, now we're getting older here and we're getting, you know, more professional. How, how wide is that home plate? And they kind of scratched their head and looked and guessed and it's 17 inches. He said, you go up to college ball. How many college coaches and several college coaches raised their hand? He said, coaches, how wide is that plate in college? And already they kind of figured where he's going. They said, 17 inches. <laughs> he said, yes. Any professional coaches here? And there was a few and they raised their hand. They said, coach, how wide is that home plate? in professional baseball. And they said, 17 inches. He said, now, if you get that little league player and he can't throw it across that 17 inches, what do you do? You set him on the bench and you find somebody that can throw it across that 17-inch plate. He said, you get a professional and he can throw 98 miles an hour fastball or curveball, but he can't get it over that 17-inch plate. What do you do? They said you set him on the bench and you get somebody that can. And what a lot of you young folks are trying to do is get us to make the plate 20 inches or 21 inches. You want to turn your papers in late. You don't want to come to class and you're tired. And so you want us to make the plate 18 inches or 21 inches. Life is not that way. Life is not going to make the base 
the home plate 18 or 20 inches just for you. You're going to have to throw that ball over that 17-inch plate or sit on the bench. Because life don't make those adjustments for us the way we want to. There's too many wasted lives. There's too many young boys and young girls that lose their, their purity, their testimony. The semester's almost gone, people. And some of you are wanting a do-over. Not this semester. It's too late. The plate's still 17 inches. You can't go back and do it again. In this passage of Scripture, you find a man that we're all familiar with. His name is Judas. And as I begin to think, what was Judas thinking in his mind? I think that he thought, well, you know, if, if I betray Jesus, man, I can put this money in my pocket and everything's going to be all right. And, and when I go up here and I, I kiss him on the cheek and I just kind of go my way, uh, he's going to do what he's done before. When they tried to take him, he just walked through the crowd and nobody could take him. When they said, you got to pay your taxes. Well, he sent Peter down there to the, to the, the water and, and he threw his line in, pulled out a fish, and here's a coin right there in the fish's mouth. I mean, he's probably going to do something, something marvelous like that and, and I'll get the jingle in my pocket, but he's going to go ahead and, and, and do some miraculous thing and everything's going to be all right. But they went too far. He didn't walk through the crowd. They arrested him. And they took him back and they began to beat him and interrogate him and mock him. Now, you know what embezzlement is. That's when somebody will take some money that's not theirs and use it for something it wasn't intended. One of our pastors, or not a pastor, he was one of our deacons in our, in our church over there uh, in Uganda. He, he was the treasurer of the church. Now, he was doing pretty good, and he seemed to be growing pretty good, but th there was a point in his life that he said, you know, I, I just need a little extra money. And so, if I just take a little bit here, uh, I'll pay it back. Uh, I'll get it back next, next month, but I just need a little extra for, for my family here. But next month came, and he didn't have enough to pay back. And he said, well, you know, I, I know that I, I'm pretty sharp on, on money and stuff, so I'll be able, next month, I'll just take a little more. And before long, he had over three million shillings. It's about $1,000 that he had embezzled from the church. And confronted, he said, I can't take it back. I don't have it. 
there are times when you think that things are going to work out, but you can't get a mulligan in life. There's no do-overs. You can't take it back. It's going to go too far. You go home on, for Christmas and somebody's going to have a party and they're going to start drinking because some of your friends aren't saved. Some of your family members aren't saved. And you say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to drink. Now, if that, they want to drink, that's up to them and they go ahead and drink. And, but you're around that party and they say, okay, let's go home. And you get in the car with them and you didn't touch a drop, but on the way home, that drunk driver hits somebody and maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend is killed. You can't take it back. You get in the heat of passion while you're home and boy, I mean the Christmas season and everything is so wonderful and boy, I mean we're just having so much fun and we're giving and getting gifts and presents and boy, this is great and I don't have to go to school this month, amen. And boy, everything is wonderful and you're with your girl or you're with your boy and all of a sudden you're caught up in all the passions. You can't take it back. You only have your purity one time. And you can't take it back. Guys that start out just doing a little marijuana end up blowing their brains out and things with drugs, the overdose. It just went a little bit too far. You can't take it back. You get on that computer and Here's some pornography, and instead of shutting the thing down or throwing your computer against the wall, you'll go ahead and, and, and start feeding on that thing. And before long, your mind and your life is ruined. Try to take it back. The gossip, the twisted words, I'll never forget. Stanley, <laughs> my grandson, we were sitting at the Thanksgiving table over in Uganda. And we didn't have room much in that house. It was a smaller one. And, and so we put a little table over here. And him and Stanley and his brother, Shane, they're sitting at the table. They're just little fellas. And Shane picks up this stick. And he looks at his brother across the table and he says, sorry. And he hits him on the head. Just saying sorry doesn't fix it. You can't take it back. You have that abortion, you can't take it back. You destroy your testimony, it's gone forever. Well, I want to do over. Look what he says in, in verse number three. Then Judas, when he had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver, the chief priests and the elders. False repentance. He wasn't sorry for what he did. He was sorry he got caught. 
If we're sorry for what we've done, we'll stop what we're doing and go to the people and make it right before we get caught. Not after we get caught. What he tries to do is hide. He tried to cover up what he'd been doing. He tried to fix it somehow. He said, well, I I want a do-over. So he brought the money back. He brought it again. And he wanted them to take it back. Nobody's ever going to know. You can't take it back. The damage has already been done. You say things about your fellow schoolmates in your dorm. Hateful things. Wicked things. And you come up to them later and say, oh, I'm sorry. That doesn't change all these other people that have heard what you've said and they don't know you're sorry. It's like the fellow that went to the guy and said, look, I've been saying some bad things about you. I'm awful sorry that I've said them. And so, you know, I I want you to forgive me for that. And he says, okay, I'll forgive you. Guy said, what can I do to make it right? He said, I want you to go home. I want you to get this feather pillow. And I want you to, the wind's blowing pretty good. I want you to get that feather, all the feathers, and just start throwing them up in the air and and let let the wind just blow them. And the guy said, well, that's pretty easy. I think I can handle that. So he goes home, he rips up that pillow, throws the feathers up there, and the wind's carrying them. Boy, it's a beautiful scene. Looks like it's snowing, man. So he goes back to the guy. He said, I did what you told me to do. He said, there's one more thing. He said, now go pick up all them feathers. He said, that's impossible. The wind scattered them everywhere. He said, yeah, the things that you were saying about me, I can forgive you, but those same things are being talked about in the market down there right now while we're speaking here. You can't take it back. Remember when you was little kids? Somebody said something bad and boy, you're the ugliest thing in the world. And old Tyrone, he says, you're not telling me I'm the ugliest thing in the world. And he comes and takes you down and gets your arm behind the back and, and he's pulling out, say, say, say it, take it back, take it back. Well, with him, I can say, yeah, you're not as ugly as you look. <laughs> you can take that back. But most things in life you can't take back. How many times in mission conferences have I been to that young people or older people come up to me and they say, you know, when I was young, God called me to missions. And I just went ahead and tried to make money and tried to get involved in things. And and I never did get to the mission field. You can't take it back. But the sad thing, sorry doesn't undo the damage. He says in verse number five, and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. If you won't take it, then I'm just going to leave it here. 
I'm just going to throw it down on the ground. I'm going to leave it here. And because, because I've, I've done my little part, now it's, now it's your problem. That's what some of you are doing to teachers. You didn't do your work. And you'll go ahead and slip that paper that's not supposed to be received under their door. Or you'll come back and you'll say, I, I, you know, I, I, every excuse in the book. Make the plate 20 inches. You want them to do a mulligan, a do-over. And you'll leave that there and thinking, oh, I've done my part. And now you're putting the guilt trip on them because they're saying, boy, you know, I feel sorry for them and whatnot. Done the same thing Judas did. Just leave it there and now it's your problem. No, it's still your problem. You can't take it back. In verse number four, He says, saying, I have sinned in that I've betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? I don't think there's sadder words in the scriptures. The people you thought were your friends, the people you thought that you were doing business with, the people you thought that cared. When push come to shove, I don't care a thing about you, Judas. I don't care about your money. I don't care nothing. What is that to us? You see to it yourself. They had different values. Their values were totally different. What is that to us? They just wanted Jesus dead. All he wanted was money. Now, let me ask you something. When you go home for Christmas, what's your friends want? The people you run with back there, what do they want? What is their values? If their values are not your values, you're going to come to conflict. You're going to have a problem. That's what happened with Judas. They could have cared less about his peace. They could have cared less about his happiness or his success. What is that to us? They used him to do what they wanted to get done. And now you can't take it back. It's too late. What are you really after? To you, what is success? To you, what is of value? Have you really considered your testimony? What is important to you when you go home? Is it really bringing your friends, your family, your neighbors to Jesus Christ? Or is it having fun like the rest? What are you really after? When Judas got the money, it wasn't worth it after all. He had it in his pocket, he had the 30 pieces of silver, that's what he wanted. And when he put it in his pocket and went his way and did his thing and then he realized 
man, I messed up. You can't take it back. He tried. He brought it to them. It wasn't worth it anymore. He didn't care about the silver anymore. The things that you're wanting, what is really important to you, when you get it, what will you do with it? Is it going to be worth it? Or will you try to say, give me a mulligan. I'd like a do-over. Would you let me take it back? When you think about the things you're going to do when you go on holiday, what do you really want? When you go to these classes and half the time you're not there, and other time when you're doing your work, your heart's not in your work, and it, what do you really want? Are you looking down the road at those souls over there in the country that are dying and going to hell? And that what you learn and what you get is going to affect their eternal destiny. Or are you just having a good time? If it, you graduate, if you pass the course, okay, big deal. What do you really want? Because you can't take it back. You can't take it back he lost what he wanted his money and now he's shamed as an apostle now the friends that he thought he had he has none and then he loses his life what are you really after what do you want God to do with your life? I thought I had my, I knew what I wanted. Man, I wanted to fly airplanes. I wanted to fly over, all over the world and be in the crew. And Man, one night we'd, we'd stay all night in Athens. The next night we'd be down in Rhodes, Greece and and the next night we'd be back in Naples, Italy. And the next night we'd be over in Spain. And then we was up in Milden Hall, England. And then we'd be over in just all over the place. But when I met Jesus, none of that was worth anything. Now that I have Jesus, There's only one thing. And that's helping somebody else know that peace, the joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. I'm not the greatest soul winner in the world. I'm not the greatest missionary in the world. Don't believe a tenth of what he said. But I can do something. And so can you. If you will let God give you purpose. I mean a purpose. Forget what your friends think. 
you get in your studies and you realize that everything that you're getting in that class is going to have an effect on whether somebody goes to heaven or hell. And you'll put a little effort, no, a lot more effort into your papers. Because what you're learning is going to be valuable when you get there. When you go to memorize the verse, you're going to memorize that verse because that's the verse that is going to take this person from on his way to hell to Jesus Christ. And when you get that, you don't have to take that back. When you get that purpose in your heart, you don't have to take it back. But these other purposes, why do you think there's so many divorces? Because they had the wrong purpose. And now they want to take it back. Well, I, I wish I'd have served God on the mission field. He called me, but, you know, I thought if I got this job, boy, I'm telling you, I could really, you can't take it back when you make these foolish choices. They didn't care for Judas or his money. They knew it was wrong. They themselves knew that what they were doing was wrong and what they had Judas doing was wrong. They said, it is blood money. It is against the law for us to take this money and put it back. Well, wait a minute. Who instigated this thing? <laughs> Who paid Judas? They did. Just because somebody says they're saved, don't follow. They may be using you. And once they've used you, you can't take it back. Samson made a bet. And he lost favor with the wedding party and he lost his wife. And he couldn't take it back. Peter denied Jesus three times and went out and wept bitterly. Couldn't take it back. Saul, a foolish vow to kill anybody that eats. And he's going to have to kill his son. You can't take it back. Jephthah said, boy, that first person comes out. Well, who in the world did he think was going to come out of his house? A cow don't live in the house. A lamb don't live in the house. People live in the house. Think through what you're saying and what you're doing. Because you can't take it back. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, too late. Can't take it back. I think of all the hundreds of things in my life that literally scare me to death. I wish I could go back and take them back again. I wish I could do it over again. But you can't take it back. And you have to live with a conscience that will be with you until the day you die. You cannot take it back. There's no do-overs. 
You got what you wanted. You had your fun. But you can't take it back. I pray to God that you will make some decisions this morning. That when you go home, you will think about your purpose and why you're going there. And what you're wanting to accomplish while you're there. In this, these next two weeks, even though the semester is basically all but done, that you will forget the sleep. You will forget the friends. You will get in your books and you will study for that person that's down the road that is depending on you to go to heaven or hell. Because my friend, you cannot take it back. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We have only one life. I pray that you'll give it to God. I pray that you'll let him make something of your life. And the only way you can do that is do what's right now. Make those decisions now. Don't follow the crowd, follow Jesus Christ. Whether it's salvation, whether it's service, whether it's the school, whether it's going home, but you will make these decisions because you can't take it back.